0: Good evening folks. Welcome to the mine. We're so glad to have you here tonight and just a reminder that uh, we've got tonight and next Tuesday and then we shut the mine down for a couple of months. All right. Uh, So, uh, but we want you to come out next week because uh, for many of you, you uh, know that these next two weeks uh, are going to be on the passage on spiritual warfare And uh, we're doing part one tonight and part two next week. And so we hope you'll come back next week as well and bring somebody with you. We want to end this semester very strong. Uh, Just a reminder, though, we are going to have a summer Bible study in July. Uh, We're going to be going through the book of 2 Timothy, July 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. You'll be hearing more announcements about that. But that'll be right here in the auditorium for those four weeks. And then it'll only be a couple weeks later on August 19th, our fall semester, will start back up in the book of James. So we hope you'll mark that on your calendars as well. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here tonight. Again, Lord, thank you for the great semester that you have given us uh, in the book of Ephesians. Lord, you have taught us a lot. You've challenged us. You've encouraged us. And Lord, we pray that we would finish strong and allow your spirit to once again just take over this place. And God, uh, may we just worship you in spirit and truth tonight. And God, just give us some great stuff that we can take with us even this next week. God, encourage us because we know that for many of us right now, we may be facing the attack of our spiritual enemy but God encourages tonight with the truth you're going to share with us that we, through your power, can resist the enemy and he will flee. And so, God, encourage us, we pray. Just gather our hearts together. Uh, help us, Lord, just to sing out to you tonight because, Lord, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Uh, and, Lord, help us to show that tonight, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well guys, we've got a lot to get to tonight, so we're just going to dive in tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Tonight and next week, we're going to be talking about a subject that there really is no more important subject that we could be talking about and reminding ourselves about than the passage on spiritual warfare in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. It is the definitive passage on spiritual warfare in the Bible. And tonight we're going to break it down because uh, we're going to take two weeks. I really felt it was important enough to take two weeks to, to deal with this. And so tonight my goal is just to get from verse 10 through verse 13 and then we'll get verses 14 through the rest of the book next Tuesday. I want to read just verses 10 through 13 to you tonight can follow along and then we'll just begin to dive in. Paul writes, finally, and let's just stop there for a second. <laughs> you know, oh man, we're in trouble. I'm going to say this and then we'll move on. Last words are lasting words. And it's very significant, not only in Paul's mind, but I believe in God's mind, that this be the last thing that Paul lays on the Ephesians' hearts and minds before he closes this book. It is something that if they sort of forget everything else, that this is the last words of Paul to the church at Ephesus. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day and having done everything to stand. Finally, Paul says, and also that word finally reaches back all the way to chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Ephesians and brings us forward to where we are tonight. And Paul is also then saying in that word finally... In light of all that God has done for you that we've learned about in the book of Ephesians. In light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God. In light of His great plan of the ages that God has made you and I a part of. In light of the plan for Christian maturity and growth that He gives to us. In light of the conduct God calls every believer to live in light of the filling of the Spirit and our walk in the Spirit, in light of all this, there is a battle to fight in the Christian life. And God does not want us to forget about that conflict. In fact, the reality of this spiritual conflict is key. Just acknowledging that it even exists. Because one of the schemes of our enemy is to get a lot of folks to sort of poo-poo the idea that there, isn't, there is good and evil and that there are invisible entities out there and that there is a spiritual warfare going on. If he can get most people to deny it, then he's already won a huge victory in this area. In fact, the reality of spiritual warfare in Ephesus goes back to the founding of the church in Ephesus. And I want to show you that. And we're going to be turning to a lot of different passages of Scripture to support tonight. But I'd like you to keep your finger there in Ephesians 6. We'll be coming right back. But go to Acts chapter 19, please. I want you to see the reality of this spiritual conflict even started as the church was getting started. and As God was beginning to move in the city of Ephesus. I'm going to begin reading in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hand, so that when even handkerchiefs or aprons had touched his body and were brought to the sick, their diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now there were some itinerant Jewish exorcists trying to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were possessed by evil spirits saying, I sternly warn you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now seven sons of a man named Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. But the evil spirit replied to them, I know about Jesus, and I am acquainted with Paul, but who are you? And can I just stop and say, these men were dabbling in something they had no business dabbling in. And here's the reason why. Because if you and I are going to face our enemy, we better face him having a relationship with Christ and standing in the power of Christ before we do. If not, here's something that can happen as it happened that day. Then the man who was possessed by the evil spirit jumped on them and beat them all into submission. He prevailed against them so that they fled from that house naked and wounded. This became known to all who lived where? In Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, fear came over them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Notice also, many of those who had believed came forward, confessing and making their deeds known. Large numbers of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them up in the presence of everyone. Ephesus was a center for the magical arts. Can I just tell you that there are many who dabble in the magical arts today? They are deceived into thinking that there's good and and black and white magic and all of this. All I'll say to that, because that's not what we're about tonight, is read what the Bible says concerning the magical arts. When the value of the books was added up, it was found to total fifty thousand silver coins. In this way, the word of the Lord continued to grow in power and to prevail. You see, ever since God started to work in Ephesus through Paul and through others, Satan was right there. And the reality of spiritual conflict was facing them in Ephesus ever since day one. And my friends, we need to acknowledge the reality of it in our lives. And if you're here tonight or you know of somebody that denies the reality of spiritual conflict, the reality of of, of demonic forces and whatever, have them come talk to me. Because I can even relay, after being a pastor for 24 years, uh, actual contact, if you will, with those who are demon-possessed, demon-oppressed, and the reality of demonic oppression and all of that, and the reality of spiritual warfare... I believe it because the Bible said it. But I want you to know that I could tell you firsthand of our own conflict with the spiritual powers that are there. So back to Ephesians chapter 6. You'll notice the first thing then that Paul reminds them of is be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Acknowledge, first of all, that there's a conflict. Second, Acknowledge that God has power, but also it does no good to acknowledge those two things if we don't appropriate His power in our life. Literally, it's saying to us as Christians, allow God to strengthen you. Allow a power that is greater than ourselves to come in and flow in and through our lives at all times. Literally, the original language word here is to put power in, is the meaning of the word. It's the same thing like a car needs gas for power. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to us. Allow God to strengthen you for the conflict. Don't ever go out any day in our own strength, in our own power, but let's depend upon the Lord... Let's even, again, going back to Ephesians 5 verse 18, let's be filled with the Spirit and let's go in the strength that God supplies. Again, David is a great example of this. When he faced the giant Goliath, he did not go in his own strength. He went in the power of the Lord and the giant was felled. And if you and I are going to stand up to the giants in our life and we're going to see victory In those areas, we need to go in the strength that God supplies. Notice also, he says, finally be strengthened in the Lord. Yes, God wants us to be aware of the conflict. He wants us to be aware of our adversary. He wants us even to be aware of his schemes. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But that's not where our focus is, folks. Our focus has to always be on Christ. We have to fix our eyes always on Christ. Aware of the conflict, aware of the adversary, aware of his strategy, but never the focus. And yet that's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to get every Christian's eyes off of the Lord Jesus and on to something else. Because when you and I get our eyes off of Jesus, we're going to run into trouble and he knows that. A lion tamer was once asked, if you had a choice to give up either your whip or the stool, which would you give up? And the lion tamer said, I'd give up the whip in a heartbeat. Because a lion is paralyzed by a stool that has those four legs because it doesn't know which one to focus on and and where to attack first. So it's totally paralyzed by the stool where the whip's only going to keep it at bay. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do in our lives. He wants to get us so scattered, if you will. He wants to get our minds off on so many different directions, looking at this and that and focusing on this, instead of keeping our eyes on Christ, because he knows that's where we're strong. In fact, keep your fingers in Ephesians and go over to the book of Hebrews, to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm sure it's a very familiar passage to many of you, but let's remind ourselves of this passage tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, the first four verses. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us. Very important now. Key phrase, verse 2 Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't miss that. The only way we're going to be able to run with perseverance and endurance, to keep on keeping on, to not give up, to not get weary, to not grow weary, to not throw in the towel, to not get discouraged, to not get frustrated, to not get distracted, is to keep our eyes fixed on Christ the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Think of him who endured such opposition against himself by sinners so that you may not grow weary in your souls and give up. You have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed in your struggle against sin. If we ever needed someone in our life who could inspire us in the conflict and in the battles of life, It is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. There is no one that God gives to us that can be more of an inspiration to us than Christ. You all know that, know me even a little bit, know I love Civil War history. And uh, one of the great leaders of the Civil War was General Robert E. Lee, the leader of the Confederate Army. And, and, And they would tell stories, even in their journals, the soldiers... About all it took was to see him on his horse traveler. And it would inspire them to do heroic things. And to go into the face of the enemy. And to go into battle. He inspired them. If a man can do that, my friends, to other men. What can the Lord Jesus Christ do for us? He is our inspiration. He needs to be the one that we focus on and look at. And that's why... All that we need to know about our adversary, about the conflict, about his strategy, is right here in the Bible. Any more than that, we don't need to know. Because then he gets us off focused on other things rather than keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Back to Ephesians, then, chapter 6. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power. The second time this word strength is used in verse 10, is talking about active, energetic, vigorous action, zeal, passion. That as we allow God to strengthen us, He gives us all the energy, all the activity that we need to be engaged in the battle. Because we're going to learn next week that God also gives us all the resources of armor and what that armor is. And we're going to learn about that next week. And it's great that we have God giving us the outfit that we need to wear in this spiritual conflict. But if we don't have the energy for the battle, then it's not going to matter what kind of stuff we've got. We need both. We need Christian soldiers who both have the, the right equipment in this battle and also have the energy that they can keep up with it. We, we see that even today with our own soldiers and, and the, the struggles and combat that they go through. We either don't supply them with the best stuff that we can, the best weapons, the best armor, and all of that, and that should be a goal anytime that we go into conflict, but also when people begin to get tired and worn out and weary, they're going to make mistakes even if they've got the best armor on. And so that's why God says, look, I'm not only going to give you the armor that you need for this conflict, I'm going to give you the strength so that you can keep going even when, when you feel like I can't go any further than this. Because again, it's going to be a strength outside of ourselves that God gives to us and pours into our life if we allow Him to. And then I love this. Finally be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power. That word power speaks of the inherent power that God has. And that it is, let's remind ourselves, all power. Because God is almighty. Yes, Satan, our spiritual adversary, is a very powerful foe. And we need to respect him. But let's never make the mistake of, of thinking that somehow that Satan has any power compared to God's power. He has power, but God has all power. And it is out of all power and all the power that God is and has that he gives out of that power power the strength that we need to keep going in the battle. And nothing less than God's strength is going to be sufficient for this kind of battle. Again, if we go into these spiritual conflicts with our adversary in our own power and strength, we will never win. But every time we go into these battles and conflicts with the strength of God, Satan can never win. Because... He is the Lord, and He needs to be our focus. That's why Paul, early on, if you just flip back to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, spent a lot of time up front reminding them about the power of God that was available to them who believe in Jesus Christ. Let's begin looking at his prayer in Ephesians 1 verse 17. Where Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of Him. Since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of His power toward us who believe, as displayed in the exercise of His immense strength. This power he exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Here's what Paul's saying. Christian, you and I have at our disposal every day, every hour of the day, every minute of the day, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and the same power that exalted him, to the right hand of God the Father. Oh, do we believe that? I guess might be the question. Because the Bible teaches it, but do we really believe it? Because to me, if we as Christians really believed we had that kind of power available to us, we'd be tapping into it. And our lives would be reflected of it. Because there would be power emanating from our life. Because it wouldn't be us it would be the power of god pulsating through our lives each and every day that's why paul said to the corinthians in 1 corinthians 4:20 the kingdom of god is not demonstrated in idle talk it's demonstrated in power and paul went on to say in 2 timothy chapter 3 verse 5 that one of the sobering things about the last days is that there will be people who have this outward appearance of religion of spirituality but no power. Powerless religion. How sad is that? Because when Jesus Christ came to earth, He wanted to empower people. He didn't just want to save people. He wanted to empower individuals to see victory in their lives, to overcome the the obstacles in their life, to be able to navigate life on a higher plane. And how many Christians are truly tapping in to this power that Paul talks about. And yet, Paul reminded us, In Ephesians 6.10, it is absolutely necessary and it's absolutely available each and every day. That you and I can walk in the resurrection power of God. Back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Clothe yourselves then with the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Because nothing less than the full armor of God will suffice. And we're going to, again, talk about the armor of God next week. So I don't want to get too specific here tonight, but just to say this, what God is simply saying is I can't put on half the armor because my enemy is wise enough, he's smart enough that as he observes my life, he's going to see what pieces of armor I'm putting on and what pieces I'm not. And that's going to give him areas to attack because I've left myself wide open. But if I put on the full armor of God, then there is no area that he can get through and that he can get a foothold into my life. And that's all he's looking for. He's looking for that little opening where he can come into my life, set up a base of operations and begin to deal in my life and begin to cause havoc and chaos. So he's reminding us and emphasizing the fact, and we're going to talk about that more next week, what the full armor of God is. But notice this. I am to clothe myself with the full armor of God so that I may be able to stand. Very important. Four times in this short passage the word stand is used the first time here in verse 11, then twice in verse 13, and then the first word in verse 14. And here's the reason why we are never told in the Bible to attack Satan. We are simply told to stand when he attacks us to hold our ground so that after the, he is done attacking us and we have stood, then we can continue to move forward. We are to resist him. We are to stand. We are to hold our position where we are presently while we are being attacked. And then once we have stood, then we move forward once he flees. Stand. The Roman soldiers were outfitted with shoes that had spikes on the bottom. So that they could dig in to their position and hold their ground. That's exactly what God is asking us to do. He's not asking us to attack Satan. He's not asking us to go into the realm of, of demonic forces. and somehow. He's just saying, when they attack you, you be ready and you make your stand and you take every blow in my strength that Satan will hit you with and you just make your stand. And the great thing is, as we're going to continue to remind all of us tonight, and I hope it will be an encouragement, that by God's power, I can stand in those times where Satan attacks me. And in God's power, I can take every blow that Satan throws at me, and I can continue to stand in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to make you and I back up one foot when we're standing in the strength and in the power that God supplies. So stand. Stand against. Notice... Stand against the schemes of the devil. The Bible teaches that Satan and the demonic world are very intelligent beings. And that they will plan, I believe, a personal strategy of attack against every human being. They're smart enough to realize, like any military commander, that before we attack, we're going to sit back and we're going to observe this person for a while. We're going to observe Jeff Royce for a couple of weeks. We're going to see where his weaknesses and where his strengths are. And then we're going to devise a personal attack strategy on Jeff. And once we've attacked, if he stood that attack... Then we'll retreat for a while, we'll plan a new attack, and we'll come at him again. But we've got to be aware that that's exactly what Satan does. Well, how do we know what the schemes of the devil are? Again, all we have to do is study the Word of God. Because throughout the Word of God, we learn about the strategy of the devil and how he'll attack us by how he is attacked throughout history. You go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, and you read about the temptation of Eve. And how Adam and all that was dealt with. And what Satan's strategy was there. Guess what? His strategy hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. Because what did he try to do there? He tried to cast doubt on the Word of God. He tried to get Adam and Eve to believe that God really didn't have their best interest at heart. That somehow they were missing something by not eating the tree of good and evil. And so God was holding out on them. I don't know about you, but... He's done that in my life many times. You know, God's holding back from you, Jeff. You know, it's just not fair, right? Uh, And and that's, he just wants to cast doubt. And here's the other thing. We know the Bible teaches us that Satan will even use Scripture because he did with Jesus. He did with Adam and Eve. He knows the Bible, so he will use the Bible and twist it just enough to get us to buy into it very, very subtle That's why we've really got to know the Word of God. Because, see, our enemy will use the Word of God against us. And unless we really know what the Bible says, we'll grab a hold of that and we'll take hold of it. As I've said to people for years, what's more dangerous, a bottle on your shelf that's dark and got a skull and crossbones on it and says poison? I doubt if any person's going to go, oh, yeah, you know, no, you'll stay away from that. But a couple drops of poison and a gallon of milk... I wouldn't even know it's there. And that's what Satan will do. He will mix a little bit of air in with a lot of truth so that he can get more people to swallow the Kool-Aid, if you will. And so that's why we've got to be careful of his schemes. Even with Jesus. How did he tempt Jesus in the Gospels? Well, he tried to get Jesus to take a shortcut. That's what he does with us. In other words, he sort of said to Jesus, Jesus, I know this is probably going to be all your stuff anyway, and and you're going to get this someday anyway, but let's take a shortcut and get it quicker. Again, he does the same thing today. He tries to get us, instead of living our lives on God's timetable, to take shortcuts, to get there quicker. Quicker. And that's really effective today because, again, the further and further humankind goes on the earth, the faster and faster we want something to happen. And so that plays right into the strategy of Satan. Instead of waiting on the Lord and waiting on his strength to supply what I need to just keep on trusting and keep on believing and keep on putting my confidence, I somehow feel like i got to help God along. And Satan's all about that. Yeah, let's take that shortcut hey, you're going to get there someday anyway, right? So let's just take a shortcut. That's exactly the same strategy that, G, that uh, he applied to Jesus. So that's how we learn the schemes of the devil. We just keep reading and studying our Bible and taking from those confrontations throughout the Bible the same ideas that because he's not going to change because he knows it's effective. He knows it works because he knows the nature of human beings that he's working with. And so he's going to keep on going with the same strategy he has ever since the Garden of Eden. And notice, he says, Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Let's take a moment and let's talk about who is the devil. A lot of people don't know that the Bible teaches that the devil was once an anointed cherub of God called Lucifer. The Bible said that Lucifer might have been one of the most powerful angels that God ever created. In fact, many believe that the two most powerful angels that God ever created was Michael, the archangel, and Lucifer, the anointed cherub. And that they may even be the two angels that overlooked the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. They were the two most powerful angels that God ever created. And the Bible says that one day, Lucifer... Wanted to become like God. He was lifted up in pride. He rebelled against God's authority in his life. And the Bible teaches that God brought him down because of his pride. And brought him down to the earth. And listen, because Satan has fallen so far, Satan wants to bring you and I down as well. That's what he tries to do with every human being. Because he's fallen from the heights of where he once was with God... He tries to bring others down with Him. Which, you know what? Even a lot of human beings do the same thing. When human beings are spiraling down, they try to grab a hold of others around them and bring them down with them. The devil is no different. He's called many different names in the Bible. One is Satan. Literally means adversary. He is, according to the Bible, our number one spiritual adversary. But... The Bible also teaches that the day that Lucifer rebelled, several, many other angels rebelled with him and left heaven because they did not want to live under the authority of God any longer. And they have become what we call the demonic world. And then we come to this name for him, the devil. And we've talked a little bit about that in the book of Ephesians. The devil simply means one who seeks to come between the devil seeks to come between you and your God. He seeks to come between you and your spouse if you're married. He seeks to come between you and your children if you're a parent. He seeks to come between you and your parents if you're a child. He seeks to come between you and your friends. He seeks to come between any human relationships, because all he cares about is destruction. He wants to come into your life and he wants to destroy everything that is dear to you and everything that is dear to God. And he will seek to come between and place himself between you and everyone else. That's why you'll notice that the Bible then says in Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. First of all, let me talk about our struggle. In the original language, it's a word that literally means hand-to-hand combat. In fact, many translations of the Bible say wrestle here. And that's a good picture for it because it's a, it's a word out of the Olympic Games where two individuals were literally locked in hand-to-hand combat and struggling on an individual level. The reason why that's important to remember is because each believer, you and I, have our own struggle. And that's why it's absolutely necessary for each individual, individual believer to grow spiritually. Because, folks... You can't fight this spiritual conflict with my armor and in my spiritual power, and I can't fight this conflict with your spiritual power and spiritual growth and maturity. So that's why we need to encourage all Christians to grow and to mature, because when the conflict comes, you can't put on somebody else's armor. You've got to stand in your own armor, in your own growth, in your own maturity, and in your own strength that you've allowed God to endue you with. A great picture of this is David before he went out to face Goliath. They were like, David, you've got to have some kind of armor on. And Well, here's Saul's armor. And you, Saul was a huge man, really a big guy. And David was still this young youth. And the, the armor just sort of rattled and just fell off of him. And David goes, I, I can't fight in this. i got to go out in my own skin. I, I've got to go out and, and just it's just got to be me and God and, and, and what God gave me. And in my shepherd stuff that I know, I can't put on somebody else's armor and go into the battle to face the giant. And neither can you and I. We can't transfer our spirituality to somebody else. And that's why even in a church like Cornerstone, we need to continue to see more and more people get into Bible studies and grow in their relationship with Christ. It is so essential because you and I can't do it for them. We can't fight the battle against their spiritual adversary for them. They've got to stand there and face them on their own. And that's why the spiritual growth of every Christian is so vital in the body of Christ. Notice again, this struggle is against the rulers, verse 12, the powers, the world rulers, and the spiritual forces. And all that is simply saying is, and we learn this from comparing Scripture with Scripture, that there are different ranks and classes of angelic beings, both good and evil. So, for instance, the good angels, the Michaels, the Gabriels. You, you read in the Bible how they're the seraphim, the cherubim, Michael, the archangel, and whatnot. And so, when God created the angelic order, if you will, they all weren't the same, just like When He created human beings, we're not all the same. We weren't given the same gifts and abilities and talents and personality. Well, God did the same thing with angels. He made them unique. And He didn't make them all of the same power. And that's why even in the demonic world, you're going to find some demons who are stronger than other demons. You're going to find some angels Stronger than other angels, because they all don't have the same responsibilities and roles to play within this plan of God. But here's what I want you to see tonight. I want you to see that against the rulers, the powers, the world rulers, and the spiritual forces, if you go back up and put your eyes back up to verse 10, I want you to contrast all of those that sound pretty intimidating with the Lord. And let's not forget. That even though there's all these demonic forces. Some more powerful than others. That the Lord is on our side. Or should I say we're on the Lord's side. And Paul says to the Romans. If the Lord be for us. Who can be against us? And we don't need to fear our adversary. We don't need to fear any demonic forces. We need to respect them. We need to be aware of them. We need to be aware of the conflict. But we never need to fear them. In fact, we're going to learn here in just a minute, we need to face them. And also, can I just say this on a side note? Don't see a demon around every bush. That's an out of balance, unscriptural view of what's going on. Don't, don't blame everything on the devil made me do it, and and it was a demon and all of that. Yes, the reality of spiritual conflict is biblical, it's real. But let's not get out of balance what the Lord said in his word that somehow everything's got to be a demon. And every, you know, no. Because first of all, there's a limited number. And second of all, unlike God, they're not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at the same time. They can only be one place at one time just like you and I can. Now notice. For our struggle is not, against the, or is not against flesh and blood. Notice then verse 13. For this reason, take up the full armor of God. For this reason. You see, in such a conflict, ordinary weapons are not going to cut it. And that's why, if you keep your finger there in Ephesians 6, go over with me real quickly to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because Paul says, once he talks about these adversaries, and tells us, look, even though we sometimes think our struggles against flesh and blood, it's really about the spiritual forces behind all of it. But then we've got to realize, if we're dealing with spiritual forces, then we can't use human weapons, earthly weapons, to battle them, because they're not of the earth. They're spiritual beings. And that's why Paul says to the the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3, for though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. I love that. We could go on and we're we're going to study that passage someday. But can I just say, in light of what we're talking about tonight, if you've got a stronghold in your life, if Satan has got a stronghold in your life. And if you've been around here long enough, you know I've shared some of my personal strongholds that was in my life. That through the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, those strongholds will come down. In fact, there is no way they can stand against the power of Jesus Christ. For He is the Almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as long as we use the spiritual weapons that God has given to us and supplied us with, we will have no trouble. Pulling down strongholds and standing against our spiritual adversary. As long as we use those weapons and use it in the strength that he supplies. That's why, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, he says, For this reason, take up the full armor of God, take it up, appropriate God's resources. Earlier we talked about the importance of appropriating God's power. Allow God to strengthen us. Now God is simply saying, I've given you all the resources you need for this battle, but I'm not going to put them on you. You have to be willing to put them on yourself. There has to be some personal responsibility here. God isn't going to do everything for us that we can do for ourselves. God says, I've given you all the power you need for the conflict. I've given you all the armor you need for the conflict. But now I want to see that you care enough and that you believe enough in this conflict in which you and I are engaged that you're going to take time and that you're going to be diligent to put it on each and every day. And to not put part of it on, but to put the full armor of God on because our enemy will know which pieces we don't put on. Take it up. This word in the original language has a sense of urgency to it because of the tense that it's in. It says, do this now and don't delay. Don't go one more day without taking up this full armor of God and putting it on. Don't go into battle one more time without the full armor of God, is what Paul is saying. Take up the full armor of God. Once again, notice so that you may be able to stand your ground. No retreat, folks. God doesn't want His children to retreat. In fact, if we cower before the devil, that will invite sure defeat. God says, you don't need to be afraid. No retreat. In fact, you'll notice here, just like with the Roman soldiers, that Paul patterned this example from, this illustration from, that all of it was on the front side. There was no protection for the back because no soldier was to turn around and run. The Roman soldier was to face their enemy. And God is saying to you and I, let's be willing to face our enemy and stand firm. I want to just take a second and say this tonight. But I know we're talking about spiritual warfare and conflict with our enemy Satan in the demonic world, but I felt very impressed of the Spirit of God to go here tonight as well. You may be here tonight and you may be involved in a conflict that doesn't involve our spiritual adversary at this moment, but you're still not willing to face it. You're afraid. You're afraid to face your fear you're afraid to face the situation. You, you're, you're afraid to just face it and deal with it. And sometimes, many times as Christians, we put off dealing with what we know we need to deal with. But many times we're afraid to deal with it. Many times we don't know how to deal with it. We, we don't know. And so we just don't. And somehow we think things are just going to automatically get better on their own. And we know they don't. And as a pastor for 24 years... I know it doesn't, not only in my life, but in the lives of so many other people that I've dealt with throughout my ministry. It doesn't get better. The only time it gets better is when we're willing to face the enemy and deal with it. So here's my encouragement from the Spirit of God for everyone here tonight. I don't know what enemy God wants you to face, but I do know this. Whatever it is in your life that God wants you to face up and deal with, I'm just here to give you that encouragement to do it. Do it. Don't put it off one more day. Deal with it. Face that enemy. Finally, look in the mirror and deal with it. And you will find that if you just ask God for his strength as you deal with it, that you're finally going to get over whatever is just sort of hanging out there always over your head. Stand your ground. Because notice he goes on to say, we may be able to stand, but there's no guarantee if we don't put on the full armor of God and if we don't go in the strength that God supplies. But when we do, we can stand our ground on the evil day. Simply what this phrase means is that there are times and seasons where Satan or the demonic adversaries that we face will attack us. But they won't attack us and and stay with it. They will attack. They will either make some inroads or we will stand and resist. They will recoil. They will retreat for a while. They will plan a new strategy and then they'll come back at some other point. And so because we never know when they're going to attack, when that evil day in our lives is, Christians always need to be ready. That's why every day I need to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the strength that God supplies because I don't know when my spiritual enemy is going to attack and many times he will attack when I least expect it because he plays those mind games. But notice this. I love this. We may be able to stand your ground on the evil day and having done everything to stand. Let me make a comment about the phrase, having done everything. It simply means to the Christian, be thorough. Be very thorough in how you and I live our Christian lives. Be very diligent. Leaving nothing undone that could contribute to the success in this battle. In other words, avail ourselves of every opportunity we can to strengthen ourselves. And allowing God to strengthen us, to encourage us, to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God. And so I know I'm sort of speaking to the wrong crowd because you folks are here. But we need to get the message out to those that aren't and those that don't feel it necessary to grow and to mature in their faith. Are you really availing yourselves of the opportunities that you need in order to take your stand? And if you're wondering why you struggle so often, maybe it's because you've never truly committed yourself to spiritual growth and to doing everything that you and I can do to allow God to strengthen us. That's all that Paul's saying here. Having done everything, am I truly availing myself of the opportunities God gives me to get into the Word, to study it, to grow, to mature But notice, the final two words, to stand. The fourth time this word has been used, because that's all God is asking us to do. Again, He's not asking us to to attack Satan. He's not asking us to attack the demonic realm or anything else. He's just asking us as Christians to just stand there and take the blows when they come, and then when they leave, to keep on moving forward. When Satan attacks, the properly armed Christian can resist all the evil forces arrayed against him. And when he has used the armor as intended and has finished the battle, he can stand in victory. And that's what God wants to encourage each and every one of us tonight with. That through Christ, we can stand. And that Satan doesn't have to push us back one inch in our lives. Not one inch. When we stand bearing the full armor of God and when we stand in the strength that God supplies. One other verse I'd like to leave you with before we close tonight. If you'd go over to the book of James. Great verse. James chapter 4. Right after the book of Hebrews, right before First Peter. Here's what James says. I'm just going to pick it up at the end of verse 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So submit to God, verse 7 of James chapter 4. Key verse. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The Bible teaches that even the devil... If he was even personally to attack one of us. And can I just say most of the time we probably don't actually have the devil himself attacking us. We probably have one of his demonic forces. But even if the devil himself was to attack us. The Bible says all we have to do is submit to God. Resist him. And he'll run away. Not from us but from the power of Christ that we're standing in. In fact, notice what this verse teaches. That the measure of our submitting provides the basis for our resisting. (laughs) I can't resist the devil if I'm not willing to submit to God. But not only that, the measure of our submitting provides the basis for our resisting, and the measure of our resisting determines the measure of the devil's fleeing. So the more I submit to God, the more I can resist the devil. The more I resist the devil, the more he flees from me. In fact, I believe if you incorporate all the teaching of spiritual warfare in the Bible together, and we're going to cover a lot of it both this week and next week here in the mind, that I believe that it can even come to a point where some Christians can be so strong in the Lord That Satan will even avoid attacking them for a while because of his frustration. Because every time he comes against them, they're able to stand. And they're resisting him. And so he has to run away. And so instead of beating his head against the wall, he looks for those who are weak. Those who are not strong in the Lord. Those who are not putting on their full armor. Because why expend all that energy on this person whenever they continue to resist me? And so what the Bible is really teaching is if I can develop a pattern of resisting the devil, there will even come a time where he could get tired and avoid me for a while. I don't know about you, but that sounds awful tempting in a good way. That's good. That's encouraging. Folks, next week we're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14. But before we do, here's what I'd like to do tonight. We have... Read about the visualization of standing against the devil and our spiritual adversary. So tonight, here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to close in prayer, but I'd like us to close with all of us standing. If we could. And and here's what I'd like us to do as we stand. As you stand there, I'd like you to make this a visual in your life Maybe for the very first time, you've heard some of this. And for the very first time in your life, or maybe for the hundredth time in your life, this is a great visualization for you. To say, this is what God wants me to do. He doesn't want me to attack. He certainly doesn't want me to retreat. He wants me to face my enemy. He wants me to stand. Not in my strength but to be strengthened with the power of Christ the Lord and to stand in the full armor that God supplies. Next week, guys, I hope you'll come back because we want to really wrap this up talking about what is the armor. And I think it's going to be a a really encouraging Tuesday night before we take a break for a while. But as you and I stand here tonight, Let's make a commitment to stand. That we're not going to give the devil or our spiritual adversaries the satisfaction of pushing us back and pushing us around like they have before. That we're going to claim the promises of the word of God. And we're going to begin to make our stand. Let's pray. God, we here tonight in the auditorium of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Chandler, Arizona, just want to first acknowledge Your greatness. You are the great and almighty and majestic God of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords who's ruling and reigning. And God, may our thoughts And our minds be directed from the conflicts of this earth. And be lifted up to the glory of heaven. And may we fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. And may we walk out of here tonight. And may we stand here in this place tonight. Making a commitment to continue to look to you. And to continue to draw our strength every day from you. And to continue to go every day in the armor that you supply us. So that we may be able to do what we're just doing right here and now. And that is to make our stand against the devil. To not allow him one more inch in our lives. But to begin to push back. And to resist Him. God, thank You for what You do for us. Lord, You do not leave us without anything that we need to be victorious as Your children. To go into this battle as Your soldiers and to come out victorious. And God, maybe we've suffered some casualties along the way. And even in our own lives... We've been knocked down by the enemy. Fine. Then let's make a commitment right here and now, tonight, to get back up. And to make our stand. Because it's never, ever, ever too late for a Christian to begin to make a stand against the devil. God, thank you for what you're going to do in our lives this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we love you. Have a great week. We'll see you back next week.